We're diving deep into Cardinals baseball with World Series champion Brad Thompson on the Redbird Report podcast on 101 ESPN, driven by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome into another edition of the Redbird Report podcast. My name is Brad Thompson. I will be your host as usual, and I really enjoyed catching up with you guys last week, taking a look back at 2022 and just what an epic year it was. Uh, you know, Thinking about some of the highlights of, of Albert and Yachty, and it's funny. Uh, just today I was doing a, a off-season recap show for Bally Sports, and uh, that was kind of the theme again was the flashback. You just get freaking goosebumps watching those guys do it and, and do it for as long as they did with the birds on the bat and obviously Albert coming back for a final one. It was just special, right? But looking back was fun, and we'll have those memories forever. But now it's time to look forward because spring training is here. I mean, it is upon us. February 15th, pitchers and catchers report. We're going to watch the Super Bowl over the weekend. A couple days later, you know, Valentine's Day. The wives love it when spring training falls right around Valentine's Day, and then pitchers and catchers are there reporting to Jupiter, Florida. A lot of the guys already down there putting in work already, and I really do believe that this is going to be one of the more competitive camps that we have seen in quite some time. There's certainly going to be some competition when it comes to innings, right? Always is. And when you look at the rotation, uh, I don't. I don't think that there's a competition there really for a spot, barring an injury, right? If there's an injury, certainly it's a free for all. As the Cardinals, they got a lot of bodies, man. When you're talking about the Cardinals rotation, but you have your five, right? You know, you're rolling out Michaelis, Montgomery, Mats, Wayno, Flaherty. Those are your five uh, that that uh, you're going to have there. And the hope is really that these guys are healthy and they're good to go. We haven't seen it, man. We haven't seen a full season, obviously, of Jordan Montgomery, who came over midstream last year uh, in the trade with the Yankees that had Harrison Bader turning into an October darling. We didn't get a chance uh, to see him. Uh, We haven't seen a full season of Steven Matz. We saw some good things out of him, and unfortunately a couple of stints on the IL really ended up hurting him. And it's been since the second half of 2019 that we saw like that great, great Flaherty. Now, that's not a fair litmus test for Jack. I mean, that was a special run that he had in 2019. But we know how dominant he can be. And I believe that Jack Flaherty truly is one of the biggest, most important pieces of the 2023 Cardinals. And as always, there's going to be competition in the bullpen. Uh, you're going to have an arm that pops up. You're like, man, where did this guy come from? He's got to be a part of things. A lot like Andre Pallante did last year. I remember watching him in spring and doing the ball games and be like, dude, this guy has got to be a part of this team. The way the ball was coming out of the hand, a couple of the these swings that the opposition would take against him, he just looks so darn good. And I hope uh, that we see another guy like that. I don't know. Maybe that's a guy like like Jake Walsh this year that pops on the scene. We got a a chance to see him for like three games last year. I believe he made his debut against the Orioles, uh, but then got sent down, elbow injury, ended his season, had a chance to catch up with uh, Jake over this offseason doing the Cardinal Caravan. He said he's healthy, he's ready to roll, and he's got a game-changing arm. I mean, this is a guy that's mid to upper 90s, can tickle triple digits when he really needs it. So another arm that is going to be fighting for innings out there in the bullpen. But the competition that's got me the most excited here is really what does the outfield look like? Guys, when we were talking about the Cardinals last year and we were digging into all of the question marks surrounding the team because that's what we do leading up to a season. We try to poke holes in everything, right? The one thing that I thought I knew 
about the 2022 Cardinals is what the outfield was going to look like. I felt really, really sure that from left to right for the whole season and felt good about it, that it was going to be O'Neal, Bader, Carlson, good to go. Everything else, not sure. I knew Goldie and Arenado didn't know how the pieces were going to be working in the middle. Like, there were questions, but the outfield was not a question for me last year. Well, lo and behold, the outfield is an enormous question right now for the St. Louis Cardinals. As we talked about last podcast, people are high on the Cardinals. And when I say people, I mean national media is really high on, especially the lineup that the Cardinals have. Now, it's not too crazy to be high on a lineup that has the MVP and the guy that came in third in the MVP voting. I don't think that that's nuts to be high on something like that. But uh, there are still questions surrounding it. And when you look at it, what what makes this team go from good to great is the outfielders really coming along and progressing and doing the things that you expected them to do. And let me ask you a question here as we head into 2023 and feel free to yell at your phone the answer. I'm sure I'll hear you or however you're listening to this podcast. And by the way, thank you for listening to this podcast. Here's the question. Who is the outfielder that you have the most confidence in? in 2023 who is it who's the guy for you because this was one last year I thought was really easy to answer I thought it was Tyler O'Neill hands down boom that was easy dude came in eighth in the MVP race he had 34 home runs bingo bango bongo you thought he had it all figured out and he was ready to sail well it turns out when you look at Tyler O'Neill last year just wasn't the case man it was a bad year for for Tyler obviously he was marred by injury you look at this guy in 2021 Tyler O'Neill he was hitting 286 he had a 352 on base percentage 550 slug 148 OPS plus 34 home runs as I mentioned also hit 26 doubles won a second gold glove right so everything was looking good for Tyler O'Neill, and you think okay well 2022 here we go boom he's gonna take off he didn't take off He didn't. He was marred by injuries, uh, had shoulder impingement early in the year. Now, in all fairness, he was struggling mightily beforehand. I I would think that the shoulder had a little bit to do with that. Had the hamstring injury in June, and then I had a hamstring injury again in September. But in 96 games last year, he only hit 228. Again, we we realized that batting average is not the be-all, end-all, or if anything, uh, nowadays. But he got on base at a way lower clip, and he didn't slug. Like he, he slugged 392 on the season. Again, 560 in 2021. That's what you expect that guy to do. 14 home runs, 11 doubles. So the question is with Tyler O'Neill, what is he? Is it as simple as saying, okay, well, if he's healthy, then we're good to go. Everything is going to be fine as long as Tyler O'Neill is healthy. Or do you look at 2021 as the anomaly? That year that he put up, and I don't know how you do that for a full year, and certainly the second half of it was even better than the first half, Uh, those are big numbers to be kind of an outlier. But when you look at the rest of his career, that's exactly what that year was. He hit for average. He hit for power. He got on base at a high clip. So that's one of the biggest questions coming in is what is Tyler O'Neill? Because if he is looking like the guy we saw in 2021, holy crap, this lineup's got some stuff. You got Goldie, Arenado, Contreras, and then Tyler O'Neill with the skill set that he has. And in regards to that skill set, who else has the skill set that he has? Who else can hit the ball the way that he does, has the power, has the speed, has the glove? 
Like that is a, a very unique skill set that he ends up having, but it, it doesn't mean anything if he can't put it together. So I, I don't know what it was for the year for Tyler O'Neill was it simply just couldn't stay healthy maybe early on in the season I, I think that some uh, and we talked about this last podcast I feel like some of his attention was diverted in the wrong way towards his contract you guys remember with lockout he ended up uh, having to do his arbitration case during the season and I feel like that weighed on him he talked about that a little bit not being able to separate the two things it's tough like you're talking about your livelihood Tyler O'Neill did avoid arbitration this year one year deal 4.95 million so like that's done he's got the contract taken care of don't have to deal with any of that stuff but he's just got to deal with going out there and proving that he can be the guy from a couple of years ago because you want to talk about paydays holy cow that skill set's got a chance to get paid but I don't know so for maybe you for you when I asked that question who is the outfielder you're most confident in maybe your answer was Tyler O'Neill and if it was I think that that would be great I, I would love to share your confidence in O'Neill I'm certainly confident in his skill set, I just want to see him be able to put it together for another year. Maybe you're very confident in Dylan Carlson. Now, Dylan Carlson, the thing we got to remember with DC here, or at least the thing that I keep trying to remind myself, is how young Dylan still is. He's 24 years old, uh, had a couple of uh, stints on the IL. He had a left hamstring. He had a thumb sprain in September. And the thumb zapped him for a lot longer than him going on the IL. He was also dealing with a wrist issue as well. And you'd like to believe, you have to believe, I mean, dealing with your hands as a hitter ends up being a bit of, bit of an issue, that that is the reason that his numbers were down across the board. He had a 100 OPS plus. Uh, for, for those that you don't know, OPS, you know, on-base plus slugging. The plus is just the adjusted numbers. Know that 100 is average, right? So anything above 100, if he was 110, he'd be 10% above average. If he was 90, he'd be 10% below average. He was a league average hitter in 2022. He had a 115 OPS plus in 2021. And the big question is, can he hit against right-handed pitching? Because the splits are alarming at this point for Dylan Carlson. Against lefties last year, he hit 305 with a 369 on base and a 477 slug. I did the math. That's all good for an 845 OPS. Against right-handers, Dylan Carlson hit 207, 294, 339. That's good for a 633 OPS. That ain't good. I mean, and he had a really bad last three months. He had a buck 80-something, uh, slug 313. It was just not good down the stretch. And there are sometimes when you look at things for a player and say, all right, well, bad, batted ball luck. Maybe some of the advanced stats will really help out here when it comes to Dylan. They didn't. They didn't help out last year. The exit velo was down. His hard hit rates were down. The barrel rates were down. He was just not driving the ball with authority. And once again, to me, this has to be – he didn't forget how to hit. This has to be something where he was compromised with the hand because if not, it just makes very little sense to me. But he's going to have to prove that. He's going to have to prove this year that he could be much more than a platoon guy against left-handed pitching. The Cardinals as a whole are really good against left-handed pitching anyhow. He needs to be a guy that is in there day in and day out, switch hitting outfielder with range. So I hope that if your your answer was Dylan Carlson, like that's the one, I hope you're right too because uh, two of them, not too bad. So here's the guy that I landed on. 
when I'm talking about who am I the most confident in coming into 2023 in the outfield? My answer, and I bet a lot of your answers, honestly, and shockingly, wasn't a guy that I thought of at all at the beginning of the year last year, is Lars Newpar. I mean, how about Newt last year? Not only did he bring a pepper grinder, a, a real pepper grinder, into the dugout, but he grinded out at bats, and he was right in the middle of all of the great baseball that the Cardinals were playing in the second half. So he uh, played in 108 games last year. He had a 788 OPS, 14 home runs, 16 doubles, three triples. And when he was recalled from Memphis in July, it was July 15th that he ended up getting called back up. Remember early in the season, he was like a fourth outfielder. When he did get in, he was struggling. But when he recalled uh, was recalled July 15th, he had the eighth highest on base percentage in the NL from that moment on until the end of the season with a minimum of two. 150 plate appearances, right? You're going to have somebody that has a higher one that hit like 15 times. He also had the 12th highest slugging percentage, and he was 10th in OPS from July 15th on. A couple of names behind Newt Bar in terms of OPS, because like you hear like 15th, whatever. Like I think it's more tangible when you hear some names that were behind him. Austin Riley, Francisco Lindor, Christian Walker with 34, 35 home runs last year. Kyle Schwarber, the home run leader in the National League. Brian Reynolds, switch hitting uh, uh, center fielder for the Pirates, as of right now, at least. We'll see where uh, Brian Reynolds ends up. Juan Soto, Trey Turner. So, Newt had a better OPS than all of these All-Stars in the second half last year. So, hopefully, these are signs of things to come for Lars Newtbar. But, as we all know, you got to show it again. You got to prove that you can end up being this guy again and again. And I, I look at Lars and I look at the skill set that he has. Like the on base percentage to me, the way that he was able to draw walks. And really, Lars Newbar right now is kind of a 2023, like this is what they look like. You go to his baseball savant page, he's barreling the ball. He gets on base at a high clip. By the way, he's got a really good arm in the outfield. And I think that there's more there. And he's going to be playing center field, I'm pretty sure, for Japan in the World Baseball Classic, which is going to be really interesting to kind of watch how this goes down. The Cardinals have a lot of guys representing in the WBC, and it'll be a fun one for uh, for Lars, obviously, and for his family. But this is a guy that hits the ball hard consistently, and pitchers nowadays continue to try to throw that four-seam fastball up high, and Lars Newbar murders that pitch. So the question is going to be, pitchers are smart, right? I mean, we're, we're, we are really smart. Uh, they're probably going to stop throwing that pitch to him and try to quit beating him with that fastball. So can Lars prove that he can consistently drive the ball the other way, hit breaking balls, hit off-speed pitches? Because he's going to get a lot of those. And I think that he's going to get a lot of the slower breaking balls and the change-ups from right-handers that are tailing away from him. Then he's going to get hard sliders because that hard slider it's too much like the fastball he's going to barrel that and he slugged really well against sliders last year average was low but the slug was up uh so if he can prove that he can use all fields i think that he's in for a lot of success this year and a guy that i'm excited about and i love the energy that he brings to the ballpark every single day i believe that the cardinals really need that especially after trading away harrison bader who we know the energy that he had there's an excitement to it some people loved harrison's antics some people People hated it. Uh, I would say this. 
I think it's needed. You need somebody like that that can get everybody going a little bit. And it's funny when it comes to Newt, it feels like everybody loves it. Nobody's like, stop the pepper grinder. And if you are, you haven't been loud enough. If you don't like the pepper grinder, the, the tongue out. he's Basically, he's doing the MJ. It's pretty impressive when you see him out there. But Newt is the guy that I am most, uh, not most excited about necessarily, but I'm most confident in coming into 2023 in the outfield because I just look at his skill set and I look what he's been able to do and it just feels consistent to me but consistency is only consistent if you prove it year in and year out but other than those guys right where's the competition going to be in the outfield I think that there are some guys that are going to be getting some at-bats and I I look at one guy and Alec Burleson Burley is uh, well it's left-handed as you all know which is nice to have another left-handed bat with some thump in the lineup he's only 24 years old Alec only got 48 at-bats in the major leagues last year Uh, and it's hard to get a gauge out of what a guy is in 48 at-bats right he looked overmatched early on to be totally honest he started to look a little bit more comfortable as we went on started to let the ball travel a little bit and trust himself and trust his swing So can he turn that trust that he found in some of his later at-bats, can he turn that into confidence coming into spring training in 2023? Because I really do believe that there is, I don't want to call it an open competition for a starting spot. I do actually want to call it an open competition for a starting spot because, like, who has really, really earned it? Like, who is, like, for sure you have to be in there? If he hits, if if Alec Burleson goes out there and he does what he did in the minor leagues, remember, he was hitting 331 in AAA. He won the batting title in the International League. He had a 904 OPS. He had 20 home runs and 25 doubles. He was actually only uh, one of two players in AAA to hit over 300 and to hit 20 or more home runs. And that's all this guy has done. He also, in AAA, which I get it is not the big leagues, but it's very good competition. You've got a nice mix of young stud arms and veterans that know how to pitch. He had a 14.3% K rate in AAA, which is way lower than a guy that has a swing like he does usually has. He's also versatile. Not that you're going to use him all over the yard. I'm not saying he's going to win a gold glove, but he can certainly play a little first base for if he needed to. He could spell Goldie over there. We saw him pick up that glove for the first time since college last year. And obviously, he's also a guy that could fit in in the designated hitter role. But the, the, the thing is, if you come into spring and you're swinging a hot bat, there is going to be room for you. I just don't see how there couldn't be. So Alec Burleson, I get it. A lot, a lot of Cardinal fans, uh, and rightfully so, man, you're digging into your team every night. You're watching them on TV. You're listening on the radio. And that's kind of your focus is on the 26-man roster that is there. And while Burleson was up in the big leagues, he wasn't putting up big-time numbers. And maybe you feel like, wow, that's just what he is. Kids overmatched. He's 24 years old, and he's had less than 50 at-bats in the big leagues. I want to see more. And with uh, some of the outfielders that are going to be gone in the World Baseball Classic, we were talking about Tyler O'Neill. I forgot to mention that he's one of the guys uh, that will be gone. He'll be playing in the World Baseball Classic for Team Canada. So he's not going to be out there. Newt's not going to be out there uh, for a little bit of the time. So there's going to be some opportunities for a guy like Alec Burleson to really show what he ends up having. Another guy that I am extremely high on coming into 2023 And I do believe, and maybe we'll talk about this a little bit on the next podcast, I do believe that the next step is going to be who the heck takes all the at-bats and makes the impact that Albert made in the DH role. But a guy that is 
going to be in the DH role, but certainly going to be in the mix in the corner outfield spot to me is Juan Yepes. Juan Yepes uh, last year, do you guys remember two years ago when the Cardinals were playing the Padres in the postseason? Yepes was actually added to the roster. Now, he didn't get into the game, but the organization thought enough of him about his great AAA season and said, dude, we got to have him. Like, this is a guy that can end up making a difference. And I feel like he made a difference last year. Certainly made a pretty big difference at the time in the postseason when he hit the two-run bomb off of Jose Alvarado, ended up giving the Cardinals a 2-0 lead. And, boy, I like to think that it ended like that. Just 2-0, he was the hero. You know, that was that was fun. And then some other stuff happened. Either way, it was a big moment for Juan Yepes, and I think that there's going to be a lot of big moments for him going forward. And the really nice thing about Juan Yepes, he's not a platoon bat. He's not a guy that's like, all right, well, he can just hit against lefties. Actually, he hits uh, both righties and lefties, and he's actually better being a right-handed hitter. He's actually better against right-handed pitching. He also had a really hot June. I'm sure you guys remember. He was one of the best bats in the lineup in the month. He was hitting 296. He had five home runs. He drove in 16. And we saw him in the outfield last year, and he did just fine. 16 games in right field. He had 19 games uh, as designated hitter. He also had 22 games in left field. So I think that we're going to see Juan Yepes get a lot of at-bats. I do believe that he profiles more as a DH-type guy, but I think that that DH for the Cardinals, and again, we'll dig into that a little bit more in the future, but I think that we're going to see that rotate around a little bit, get some guys off their feet even more than they did last year. But Juan Yepes has a big opportunity in front of him to see you know, if he is going to stick in the big leagues. Again, 24 years old but he's been playing professional baseball guys for eight years he was signed out of Venezuela at 16 years old by the Atlanta Braves so I mean he has been through this he's paid the dues he's learned so much and he learned a ton last year from Albert Pujols Albert speaks volumes like he'll take his shots every once in a while and says that yep he can't shut up uh, but he loves him like he just loves the way that he goes about his business the fact that he wants to continue to learn and I want him to continue to get at bats when it comes to this outfield mix and this DH mix because I believe him to be an impact player but he's also a player that doesn't just hit for power. It's not like a, he, he's a this big mongo that only hits bombs. No, he can hit for average, too. He's got a good idea of what pitchers are trying to do, and he knows his swing, and he knows himself. So Juan Yepes is going to be in this mix in the outfield. Another guy who's going to be in the mix, or he's your everyday second baseman. I don't know how this stuff is going to shake out, but we know he bounced around the diamond last year, 19 games in left field, 19 games in right field for Brendan Donovan. Donnie won a gold glove. It was the first gold glove for the utility player, and certainly when you bounce around like that, you play left, you play right, you play third, short, second, first, you uh, and you do so at a high level, you're going to get that nice new award that Rawlings came out with. And I'm excited to watch Donovan this year as well. Donovan actually is one of my favorite players to watch. I, I just like those guys that are grinders, that do everything, and they just battle, and they just fight, and that's exactly what Brendan Donovan does. He got on base at nearly a 400 clip last year, 394. The offense, like, I think it's going to be there, and I think that there's even a little bit more power there than we saw, and not necessarily the home runs, okay? I don't I don't want Donovan to go up there thinking lift and separate, drive the ball out of Bush Stadium, which is a very pitcher-friendly ballpark. At least it is now. When I pitched, boy, the ball just flew out of there. It must be that, that whole ballpark village. You know, it just messed up the, the wind and the trajectory. That's what I'm telling everybody at this point. But Donovan's going to be a doubles monster when you look at him 
him, and he's going to be firmly in the mix here, bouncing around the diamond. Uh, unless something happens and Gorman is not an option over at second base, which I just don't see happening, I really do believe that he is going to be in the mix firmly, and uh, rightfully so. Like I, I, I like the idea of having Brendan Donovan and able to bounce him around the field. So that's part of your competition. A couple of other guys, and there will be others in this mix, that I'm sure you want to hit on. One of them less celebrated than the other. So I'm going to talk about that one first. Added to the 40-man roster last year, he did lead all of the minor leagues in home runs. Hit 39 home runs last year, also added 25 doubles, and that's Moises Gomez. So Moises Gomez, uh, the Cards picked him up from the Rays. The Rays cut ties with him uh, a year ago. And Cards picked him up and just knew kind of a raw power talent, but struck out a ton. Well, he kind of quelled the strikeouts a little bit with the Cardinals, still susceptible to it, certainly, uh, but showed off the power in a big way and to the point where the Cardinals uh, had to make it, had to make a decision. Or were they going to protect him on the roster? They absolutely did so. I don't think that you can let a guy that has that kind of pop walk out the door. So another option, corner outfield option for you with big-time power from the right side and, again, with big-time opportunity in spring training to get a lot of at-bats while guys aren't there. But the guy that I know that everybody wants to talk about is Jordan Walker. And I want to talk about him, too, because I cannot wait to see this kid go out there. And, uh, boy, maybe kid's not right. I mean, apparently, uh, you know, as, as far as legality goes, he's a man, okay? He's a grown man. He's 20 years old, 6'5", 220, and all he has been doing is crushing the competition at every single level that he's been at, okay? So, double-A last year, uh, put up big numbers, hit 306, 19 home runs, 898 OPS. He's got a rocket for an arm. He did really well in the Arizona Fall League as well. That's where they show off some of their biggest and best prospects. You read all of the prospects lists across baseball. I've seen Jordan Walker as high as number one on various lists. I don't think I've seen him anywhere outside of the top ten. Maybe I've missed one, or maybe I'm just being a homer and only read ones where Cardinal prospects are higher. Those are my favorite ones. But Jordan Walker, look, I don't want to sit here and just say that he's going to be the be-all, end-all. But he's the highest-touted prospect nationally that the Cardinals have had in a really, really long time. He's got all of the skill set. He's got a really good approach. He, again, is not just a power guy, but he can hit for average also. So he's going to get a chance in spring training. And, like, I, I get it from a Cardinal standpoint that their preference would be that uh, that – O'Neal has a great spring, and Newt has a great spring, and Carlson has a great spring, and boom, those are your three outfielders, and you're good. Because there's no reason in having Jordan Walker up on your Major League roster if he's not playing every day. But if Jordan Walker did something special, if Jordan Walker came into spring training and he was just lighting the world on fire, driving the ball all over the place, and it got to the point where you say, hey, I, we have to have him there. Like your veterans are going to the front office and your veterans are going to Ollie and say, hey, this kid, this kid is going to have to be a part of these things. If we want to go win a championship, he needs to be there. To me, that is extremely exciting. And I want to see if Jordan Walker can force their hand. I also want to see how he reacts because these things that we're talking about, his opportunity to make this ball club, Jordan knows that. Like, he knows that he's got a chance to go out there and do something special. I know that he's talked about it. He's talked about it on uh, Bally Sports. I know Jim Hayes during the winter warm-up had a chance to sit down with him. Like, he gets what's there, 
But there's an inherent pressure on you when you're taking at-bats in moments like that. And it's probably a pressure that he hasn't felt before. I mean, this is a kid that has just been great his entire life. And I know he's been in big-time showcases and done all of that. But now he's got a legit opportunity to make a major league team out of spring training. We saw this last year with Nolan Gorman with a legit chance out of spring training to make it. And he talked about it, and you could see it in his swing. It weighed on him. Like, it was heavy early on. So now I want to see what it looks like for Jordan Walker. Going to be an incredible camp. The outfield mix is going to be so much fun to watch how it shakes out. And the hope is that we get to a spot here looking at this outfield mix where we say, okay, there are too many good options. That would be really nice, right, for Ollie Marmol, for John Mozalock, for the entire staff. It's like, man, dude, we got so many good players, I don't know what to do with them. Inevitably, that won't be the case. Like, something will fall through the cracks, and maybe you go into the season with the outfield that you just believe will be best for the long term. But I really hope that there are so many difficult decisions in a positive way for this coaching staff to make. So I think that you've got some really talented outfielders that are going to be in the mix. So talked about the outfield a little bit today. Maybe next podcast we'll get more into the DH options. We'll talk about some of these players as well. I still want to dig into the rotation and uh, the, the thought about the bullpen. Like, are we solidified in this pen? Who do we have the most confidence in outside of Giovanni Gallegos and Ryan Helsley, which, by the way, Gio with the new pitch rules, that's going to be a little interesting. Who are you extremely confident in at the back end of the bullpen? Maybe we'll get into all of that stuff. I appreciate you taking your time, listening into the Redbird Report. Have a lot of fun doing these. Again, we're going to be following this team all year long. I'm going to have the opportunity to go on the road, be around these guys, and I want to bring you all of the info all season. It's the Redbird Report brought to you by 101 ESPN. We'll see you again next time. You've been listening to the Redbird Report podcast with Brad Thompson on 101 ESPN. Driven by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Check out every episode at 101ESPN.com or on your 101 mobile app.